you have to create simplicity out of complexity. Um, and that's when, when I kind of came up with the idea of this net wealth acronym, which, you know, what I was trying to capture is the idea that money is important, but it's not the only thing. And what are those other things that are important? So I came up with net wealth. So every letter uh, has different, covers a different area of your life. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up, reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Eric Weigel. Eric calls himself a retirement architect. He's a founder of Retire with Possibilities, an advisory and retirement coaching firm dedicated to helping people conscientiously design their own journey into retirement. He's a certified professional retirement coach and a University of Chicago MBA grad with more than three decades of experience. He's a baby boom, boomer born in Washington, D.C. to a Costa Rican mother and a German father. He's lived in four countries and he's fluent in Spanish. His multinational upbringing has greatly influenced his outlook on life. Eric, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Jackie. I'm thrilled to be here. So first off, I'm really impressed that you're fluent in Spanish, um, but I guess that would be expected with a mom from Costa Rica. I'm uh, working on Spanish myself with Duolingo, but i am uh, definitely got a long way to go. I love it. I, I, a big part of me is sort of the Latin culture. And I've even though I, I was born in Washington, D.C., as you mentioned in, in the introduction, but I have lived in Peru and Costa Rica. And I, I kind of think of myself as my, my home is the U.S. Boston, but my spiritual home is really Costa Rica. Oh, that's nice. Um, maybe you don't want to get into this. How come you're not fluent in German, too? Because I wasn't smart enough. I actually, my <laughs> father's German, as, as, as he mentioned. And I actually attended the German German schools from the ages of four through seventeen, and wow. both in Peru and Costa Rica. So I do I do speak German, but I'm not fluent in it. And German, uh, when you live in the U.S., for example, you hear a lot more Spanish than German. So my opportunities yeah. to really practice my German are limited, and um, that's why I don't. I, I usually, on my professor, professional resume, I'd say I have a working knowledge of German, but I'm not really fluent in it. Probably a whole lot better than most of the people that I know, including me. Well, and it also helps when I have a beer or two, but that's self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So let's start with just a basic understanding of who you are and what uh, started you on your journey to create your business retire with possibilities i was uh, an investment manager for over you know 30 years and i started working with a company called russell 
um, that did a lot of pension fund consulting, the largest pension funds around the world, in the US, Canada, Australia, Europe, all over the place. And then I moved into the money management business. So I managed separate accounts for um, large financial pension funds, um, as well as individuals. Um, and about, you know, in the late 90s, I moved from the institutional side of the business, which was dealing with pension funds, to more the mutual fund, mutual fund side of the business. So I worked at a number of large mutual fund firms, um, in the U.S. And, um, after when the financial crisis hit in 2008, that was a very significant event for a lot of the, the financial industry. Um, because sort of the idea of actively managed funds sort of went a little bit out the door. And I started noticing that my career was sort of peaking at the time. At I was about 50 years old, 48, 50 years old at that time. I also started thinking about what I wanted to do long term. I went through, I had gone, I had just gone through a divorce. Um, I had been thinking about sort of, you know, how much longer do I want to be in the investment management business? Um, and really started thinking about my own retirement. And um, I had never really thought about it before. I had sort of always put money in my retirement funds and saved money. But beyond that, I never really thought about what I wanted to do once I didn't really have a full-time job or was in a, in a place and had the opportunity to actually manage 100% of my time. So that's what really got me thinking about sort of uh, retirement in general. And of course, you know, most people start with the financial side, then they might think about where they want to live. But what I sort of discovered fairly early on in my search uh, for answers was that there were a lot of other questions that there was a lot less help for. Uh, so for example, yeah. what to do with my time? Um, you know, what is going to give me satisfaction, uh, beyond sort of a good performance review and good performance in my funds? Um, and sort of what the ambition for my life long term. And that's what got me thinking about sort of retirement coaching. Um, and sort of the whole idea of incorporating sort of different fields, you know, clearly finance for, you know, the, 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 the financial side, but also, you know, kind of personal growth, um, sort of emotional stability, um, all kinds of fields sort of converged on what I was learning. And it really took me probably seven, eight years to kind of put it all together. I continued to work in the financial industry. And it really wasn't until the last, last, you know, five years when I became certified as a, as a, as a retirement coach that I really sort of made this sort of my, my go-to, um, professional activity in my life. So I've been looking at your uh, book. I've been reading, uh, reimagining retirement, nine keys to true wealth. And I, I like the way that you've laid it out. Um, I also went to your website and you start off the book with the same questions that you have on your website, the things that we really need to think about when we're heading into retirement. Um, and then as you go through the book, you point out that there's not really any magic amount of money that means retirement is going to be successful or happiness because life is built on so much more. As you were saying, there's so much more to it. And I, I really like the acronym that you use, net wealth. 
and for outlining all the different parts. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about about that acronym and and how you how you divide up all the things that we need to think about. Yeah, yeah. The, the book, of course, started and sort of my my professional thinking in this area started almost in a random way. And if you think about um, anybody that started a book, you know, they're usually areas, all kinds of different things that you write or you research. And what's really hard about writing a book is sort of putting it together. And it's the same thing for coaching, right? Coaching can be, if you do one-on-one coaching, it can be very customized to the individual. But once you start doing some group coaching, you actually have to have a little bit more of a system. So I had always, throughout my professional career, I had always been a huge believer that you have to take complexity and you have to create, you have to create simplicity out of complexity. Um, and that's when, when I kind of came up with the idea of this net wealth acronym, which, you know, what I was trying to capture is the idea that money is important, but it's not the only thing. And what are those other things that are important? So I came up with net wealth. So every letter uh, has a different, covers a different area, if you like. So let's start with, with the first part, which is the NET. So net, uh, the N is for your nest, or where you live and your environment. You know, as I mentioned before, a lot of times when people start thinking about retirement, they do think about where they want to live. Um, a lot of my friends have already moved to Florida or they've moved to Arizona or some of my more adventurous friends are now in Mexico or Portugal. Um, and so that, so that's sort of, that covers the end. Where do you want to live and how? What type of environment? The E stands for earnings. So that's the financial side, the money side. And I make a big point in the book about the fact that it's not about having a big pot of money. It's about having enough money to fund your lifestyle. And that's why I like the concept of, I talk in terms of earning, almost like replacing your paycheck. Can you, can you create that from the assets that you have, whether and from potential, you know, work, if you, if you decide to do that? So that's the E. And the T is for time. And time, as, as we know, is what everybody focuses when you hear that somebody's retire, retiring. Oh, how lucky. How lucky now, you know, all the time is yours. But actually, there's a burden with that, too. Um, because if you waste time, and especially loves the couples and, and people I deal with and coach, they're very high-achieving people. They've had professional careers. They care about sort of the work that they do. They have a lot of, they high have, they have high standards in their life. And suddenly to go into a mentality where your time has no value and to treat it that way is not a very natural thing. It might be natural in the short term, but not in the long term. So I always tell people that the net part of my framework is really what the traditional retirement industry focuses on, right? Where, where are you going to live, your money, and then how are you going to spend your time? And then the second part, the wealth component, is what I call the turbochargers. These are things that a lot of people haven't really thought about. Um, so uh, let's start with the W. The W means it, it stands for work. A lot of people ask me, well, why would I work if I'm retired? 
And I keep telling them that the word retirement is really has a different meaning today than it did, for example, 20, 30 years ago. To me, work is essential to what we do in life. So you can work for money, you can work for status or for pure satisfaction. So even if you work for a nonprofit, let's say, let's say you, you, you're interested in the environment and you want to help out. Um, that is work. You know, that requires a commitment of your time to further a cause. So that's the W work, work. And, and especially nowadays where people are living 20, 30 years in retirement. Um, it's very important to kind of keep your, your, your job skills, your work skills fresh. And maybe you're not going to be doing the same thing all the time or what you did for the, for your primary career, but you might be doing something that uses those skills. So, so that's the W. The E stands for emotional energy. And this is an area that I think gets uh, very much ignored. Um, especially when it comes to retirement, everybody thinks that retirement is a period of time where you don't have stress, when your life suddenly becomes easy. And the reality and the way, and the way that I've seen my own life evolve and, and the way I see a lot of my, my clients evolve is that retirement is just a phase in life. It's another phase in life that still has the same you know, upside and same downside as any other phase. It's just a little bit different. So managing your emotions is incredibly important because if you think about sort of your energy levels during the day, a lot of that is physical, but a lot of that is emotional. You can't be upbeat if you're depressed or if you're worried about some aspect in your life if you're dealing with stress, chronic stress. So this part, the E, the second E in my framework is really about emotional energy and ways to become, to become energized and in a sense, control your mindset and use your mindset to, to have a more positive outlook in life and also, and also become, remain flexible and, and, and optimistic about your life. The, the third letter in the wealth piece is an A. And the A is for achievements. And this is another area that sometimes causes a little bit of, uh, you know, question marks, or brings a lot of question marks, because a lot of people think that when you retire, you no longer have any goals. And I think that's incredible. That's so wrong because during your working career and when you're raising a family, for example, you have goals. You have, you want, you want to get better at your job. You want to make more money. You want to have more more work satisfaction, want to raise a wonderful family, wonderful kids, and so forth. But when you retire, your goals may actually they become more your own. And I think that it's always important to look forward in life. I mean, a lot of a lot of a lot of people like to live their life in the past. And I think that's a mistake, especially when they retire. So I, I encourage people to spend a significant portion thinking about what they want to do going forward. That's having two or three goals. And those could be simple things. It could be taking care of the grandchildren. It could be learning Spanish, like in your case, Jackie, right? <laughs> um, it could be becoming a be better tennis player or gardener. Like those are my goals. Uh, it could be building a little business. So that's really important to still have, wake up in the morning saying, I need to work on something for my future. 
Okay, then comes the L part, which is learning. And learning is really important to a lot of these areas. You can think of them as being sort of correlated with each other, right? They work with each other. So the L part is really important. But I kind of, in my book, I positioned the learning part as really a great tool to improve and fine tune your mental health, right? Because there's no better way to keep your, your, you know, to stay, um, to keep your brain healthy than to learn new things. So it's not about just doing the same thing over and over, over and over again. It's also about learning new things, finding something challenging. For example, in your case, learning a language is incredibly, it's, it has been found to be incredibly important and, and, um, useful for keeping brain health. So it's really encouraging people to, not just accept that everything that they've learned up to this point is it, but to keep learning new things. And again, this is all a la carte. This is all like what you like to learn is going to be very different from, for example, what I want to learn. Um, and I just think that it has to be thought of in a, in a systematic way, in a sense that you need to sort of plan for that. You need to, you know, challenge yourself to learn something that it's not only going to be exciting for you, but it's also going to be a little bit of a push because I think it's really important in retirement, for example, to keep pushing ourselves a little bit. Uh, but it can still be itself you're choosing. So you're not going to be, if you don't want to learn French um, or Spanish, nobody's going to force you to do that. You can do something else. Right. Um, the T part, the next letter is the T, and that's for tribe. And those are social connections. And I think it's very well, it's very well established um, that really your social network is incredibly valuable for your well-being. Um, there's the, the long-standing Harvard study that has tracked people for you know 50, 60 years. And they one key characteristic that they found among people enjoying greater happiness and well-being is sort of their, their social connections, the quality of their social circle. And here, the idea that I present in a book is not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean once you retire, it doesn't mean that your social circle needs to be static. In fact, when you retire, you're actually, your social circle will initially become smaller because a lot of your connections that, that you made at work, while you think they're really strong connections, will really dissipate over time. So it's really important to keep investing in your social circle. Uh, surround yourself with family, which of course, but also friends and, and friends of different, different types of friends, right? You can have some friends that are more people that you, for example, spend time volunteering with or playing a sport with uh, or learning a new skill. Or it could just be people that your next door neighbor or people that if let's say you move to a new location, these are just, you know, people in a new community. It's just be open to making those connections because social connections are incredibly important to your well-being. And then um, the last one is health. And health, again, there's there's no there's no no more important aspect to your well-being than being healthy. And by this, I mean being physically healthy. Um, and here I talk a lot about nutrition, the need to exercise, the need for proper sleep. All of those things, the basics in life, that, as I call them to, with a lot of my clients, that you just need to keep doing. 
so that's that's basically the system that I use with my clients. But it really begins with sort of this idea of how do you see yourself in the future, and that's where the the con the second part of my system is this idea of your future self, which is really sort of thinking, creating your own vision for what your life, you know, how you want your life to look like in the future. I think you've uh, probably covered everything we could think of in terms of the things that affect you in your life. Um, One of the things that you, that I read is that you talk about leading either an easy life or a fulfilling life. Do you really think that they're kind of um, opposed? Can't we do we have to pick one or the other? Can we have an easy life that is fulfilling? I, I think I think that the, this create also creates some some interesting questions. I I position them as sort of on on the opposites and on the opposite end of the spectrum to really just make people think about it. Right? We all want elements of the easy life. We all need need, for example, to feel comfortable. We need lodging. We need to feel safe in, in our home. We need to have enough right. money for health and, and food and, and entertainment. So it's really a combination of these two. What I'm trying to really um, present is the idea that you still fulfillment is actually a long-term sort of beneficial aspect to your life. Um, comfort and the easy life is more about sort of your everyday life. And it's really about yourself as opposed to others. Fulfillment, I think, involves other people as well as you, of course. And I think that's the, sort of the concept that I'm trying to present. But I think that we all want, there are many days when, for example, I wake up and I say to myself, wow, I just want the easy life. I just want, I want to be, I want to be on a beach, you know, sipping a margarita. And I just don't want to think about anything, anything besides, you know, sort of what I'm going to have for lunch and what I'm going to have for dinner. So I want the easy life. But there are also times when I really want to be stretched. And I think that it's in our nature as humans to want to serve others and be part of other people's lives and make their lives better. And I think that's where fulfillment comes in. So I think I think it's really about balance of all of these things in life. And and uh, it's not an either or, but I present it as an either or simply to get the conversation going. Right. Just to make us think, you know, do you want to do something with your life or just sit and watch Netflix? Right. Correct. So you also talk about um, change and and the fact that there are three basic phases that you go through in any change in your life. You've got um, the ending where the change starts. You've got the period in the middle that you call the the messy middle while you go through all the things and then the new beginning. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how that relates to retirement and how people might navigate those three phases? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people, when they think about retirement, they think they think of a of beginning, actually. They think, oh, this is the beginning of my new life. But it's really, if you really think about it, it's the end of the previous phase of your life. It's the end, for example, of commuting into an office, working with a team of people. It, it really is a much bigger change than most people anticipate. 
Uh, people, when they think about retirement, they tend to be, especially if they're financially set, they tend to think of, of only the positives of retirement. Um, they think about spending time, you know, traveling, spend having more time to do some hobbies and so forth. But they actually don't really kind of mourn the ending of a phase in life. Um, so for example, I'll give you another thing that I think is very similar to retirement is when you become an empty nester. So if you've raised children and your children leave the home, I think, I think it's really a sad time for a lot of parents. And it's an ending of kind of hearing noise in the home. And I think retirement is the same, even though we, I don't, I have never met anybody who likes to commute. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of something that you do. It's an automatic. You wake up, you, you come, you go to work, you know, you take a shower, you get ready for work, you go to work, you know, you start your day, you check your emails. All of that is gone when, when you retire, right? So, so when yeah. you retire. So I think, I think that it's, it's important to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that something is ending and that while your new life is beginning, most people don't know exactly what that new life is going to look like. So, so that's where you go from an ending to the messy metal. And I call it the messy metal. And other people, actually, there's a phrase that Chip Conley from the Modern Elder Academy uh, first coined. Um, I, I call it the messy metal because change is never easy right? Um, change always involves a period of uncertainty. It involves some optimism, days where you're really optimistic about the change, but other days where you question whether that, that change is actually going to work for you and or how are you going to change and what way, what is it going to require? So I think that's why Chip Conley calls this the messy metal. Um, and it's messy because you know, it involves a lot of your emotions, a lot of positive emotions, but a lot of negative emotions. And I think when you look at a, a lot of the research on retirement, there's this honeymoon phase for a lot of people where the first year, year and a half, it's actually really, people love the, the newness of it. But after that honeymoon phase, they start questioning, well, okay, I've played a lot of golf. We've done a lot of traveling. I'm a little tired from the traveling. Now what? I want to do something else. I kind of miss being at work or at least I miss parts of my professional life, for example. Or I want to, I want to do something that I have never had the time to do. And I really want to focus on that. And that's where you're trying to decide for yourself, trying to find clarity. So that's the messy middle. Eventually you find that clarity. And that's your new beginning. But this is sort of a process that we all go through, regardless of the type of change that we're going through. And I always tell my clients, this is not something that you're going to do once in retirement. You're going to do this multiple times. And in a sense, this is life, right? We always sort of ending something, being a little confused or trying to find clarity on a different issue and also starting something new. So it's really a combination of things, but I, I think it's important for people to understand that the transition into retirement is not going to be a hundred percent 
you know, positive all the time that you really need to work at it and figure out for yourself, what is it that's going to give you that fulfillment and that, and that satisfaction in life? I think that's uh, it's something that a lot of people don't realize going into it. As you said, they think, you know, retirement's here, I'm done, everything is going to be rosy. And then when it isn't, they don't know whether, you know, gee, did I make a mistake? Am I not supposed to be retired? Should I have stayed at work? Lots of things go through your mind. One of the things that I read while I that I passed through while I was reading the book is the uh, um, time allocation, and I, and I really liked your example about doing the the grocery store um, shopping grab, you know, where you can spend all your time, you know, picking up a whole bunch of little things and and end up with not a whole lot in your grocery cart at the end, or you can go for the bigger things and have kind of more bang for your buck. And I like the idea of relating that sort of thing in my head to how I spend my time um, in retirement, because people are always asking, you know, what do you do with yourself? And, you know, other people are commenting, oh, I've, I never, I never knew I could do so many things. I, I, I don't know how I did anything before I retired, because I'm busy all the time now. And I'm just wondering, what's the best way to kind of sit down and, and sort out your time so that you're you're not taking all your time doing the little things that don't mean anything. Now you had this nice little graph that you know quadrants and laid it out important and urgent, you know, not not important but urgent. How do we decide what's really important in our life? It really starts with your vision of what you want your life in retirement to be to be like. Right. So I, and I, and this is the concept of your future self, which is really answering three, three questions. I call them the three pillars. There is the, who would I want to become? Um, so for what type of person do I want to be, um, for the rest of my life? And second one is what do I want to accomplish? So these are very high level. What are my dreams? What do I want to accomplish? And the third one is why? So those are really important questions to ask yourself first. Um, clearly, if you don't have any dreams or you don't have, you, you know, you can just spend your time any way you want. It does, it's not going to matter. But if you do have dreams, and I, and, and I think we all do. I think we all do. We just haven't really thought about it that carefully. Um, I, I think, I think you really, the, the idea of time is, is a, it's a really important concept because a lot of people go into retirement thinking that their time is no longer valuable. And I actually think it's the exact opposite because I think that the less time you have uh, on earth, the more valuable it becomes by definition. So I think this is the time to, instead of spending time on busy things, things, and we all have to do that, right? We all have chores. We all have to you know, balance the checkbook. We all have to kind of file our taxes and we all have to do our, you know, go grocery shopping and things like that. Um, but I think, I think there's also an incredible, uh, we all have an incredible ability to make ourselves busy without re realizing how, how we're, how, how we're wasting our time. So I, so one of the first things I, I like to do with, with clients is start with this exercise of what matters to you. How do you want your life to be? But then I, I, I drill down to sort of the nitty gritty. 
And I ask him to basically over the next two or three weeks, really just figure out how are you spending your time? Just jot down in a journal. Okay. How many times did I watch, you know, how, how many hours did I watch TV? How many hours did I, did I spend, you know, on social, you know, on, fa- on Facebook, for example? Um, how many, you know, how much time did I spend actually, um, going to the gym? or working on something that was important, uh, spending time with family. So I like to, I like people to take an inventory of their time. And usually what ends up happening is that people are surprised after two or three weeks of doing this. And they realize, wow, I'm spending a lot of time on grocery shopping or on cleaning the house or on social, especially on social media and TV. Those, those are the two time sinks that I think um, people don't have any idea how much time they're spending on, on, on that, on that, those type of activities. And they very, very quickly realize I could easily um, create out of thin air two or three hours a day that I could be spending on, on activities that are more, more valuable to me and that matter a lot more. So that's, that's, I think the idea that, that, um, you know, that's why I like people to think about time in a more structured way. A lot of people don't think that you should have any structure on your time in retirement. I think that's a mistake. I think you really should, should schedule time for the stuff that's really important to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's important, right? You have to figure that out. But then make the time, schedule it in. You know, a new hobby. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna go from from beginner beginning Spanish to intermediate Spanish if you don't put the time in. Um, and that's that's sort of the idea here is that you really need to schedule your time and spend more time on things that on things that matter to you and less time on things that don't. Um, and I. As you mentioned before, a lot of people in retirement are very busy. Um, but I always ask the question, busy doing what? And yeah. um, it's not, I, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just really just a, a question to make him think, okay, maybe some of these things I don't have to do. I don't have to clean my house every every second day. Um, <laughs> or I could hire somebody. That hasn't been my problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's my not, family it's would, not would my do. problem either. <laughs> and, and so, so I think, I think we live in it. We, we live in a, in a world today where a lot of things can be outsourced um, and focus on things that you enjoy doing and outsource almost everything else. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I like your three pillars. So who do I want to be? What do I want to do? And especially why I think the why is a thing that's hard for most people to answer until they take some time to really dig deep inside them. And a lot of people are maybe kind of scared to do that. I agree with you. I think these questions are scary. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of people haven't thought about it. And, and especially couples, right? That a couple may have very different views of very different answers to those questions uh, but it's an incredibly important exercise to go through first independently and then come together to try to find a common, you know, common set of answers to those questions that are, you know, you're stronger as a couple 
and and being being and um you know you need to support the people you need to be part of 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 uh your you need to have that social network including your you know your primary couple to work together in terms of what you want your life to be like this is the kind of thing that I could keep talking about for hours, but I think we're going to have to draw it to a close very shortly. If you could give people um, one piece of advice as they head into retirement, what would it be? It would be don't look for cookie, cut, cookie cutter solutions. Think on your own. Take the time. This is not going to come to you in a day or two. It's a process that takes years could take it could take months it could take it could take years too and i think you we all evolve but really educate yourself and think about your life be intellectually honest about your life um and try to design a life that you'll be very happy um and also a life that you'll be proud of um so i think i think it's important to lead a life the greatest legacy in my opinion that we can leave to the world is an example of how we live and everyday living. So I think it's really think for yourself, plan ahead and take action. And I think, I think that's, um, you know, it's really important not to stop at the thinking part, but also adopt the habits and lifestyle to make it, to make those plans a reality. Oh, perfect. Thanks very much, Eric. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I enjoyed it as well, Jackie, and thank you very much, and thank you for having me on your show. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.